0: I wanna it up,
1: my and Be the you know, sometimes these are just for me. Anyway, welcome to the third annual Blackcast Live. Oscars, a.k.a. Academy Awards after show. This is our second With Cameras. I'm Christian Blatt. You can find me, as always, at ChristianDMZ. And don't forget, The Blackcast at Blattcast, B-L-A-D-T-C-A-S-T on Facebook, The Blattcast. And of course, we have Blackcast.com, B-L-A-D-T-C-A-S-T. Now, I said With Cameras, but for a lot of you, you're just going to be listening to the audio version that's going to magically show up. And you don't have to look at just how handsome I am and joined by someone far more handsome than myself. The one, the only Captain Eo Jeff, Cocan. Dure, Cocan Hey Kokan
2: right. Hey Cocan. <laughs> he coming to us straight from wet hot American summer.
1: You know, from uh on the show my wife works on, uh Orange is the New Black, there's mm-hmm. a character called uh nicknamed Beer Can because apparently his uh junk is as thick as a beer can. Mm-hmm. So uh uh, Perfect. Matt, I was gonna say. Now we know why yeah. it's out here. Uh, not with us. It, it, uh, the one, the only, Will Sterling. He's actually still drunk from last year's Oscars post show. So Sleeping this one off. Yeah, he's in the he's in the the drunk tank. The, I said the, tank. the junk tank.
2: He's in the drunk tank, getting jerk tanked. He might be
1: getting uh, just tanked uh, one way or the other. And uh, momentarily, we're going to be joined by Christian Toto from Hollywood in Toto and Hollywood dot com, who he has actually been a part of all three Blackcast Oscars after shows.
2: So you're saying Toto's in tow?
1: Toto is definitely going to be in tow uh, when he's totes ready for us. Uh, the first Blackcast uh, after show, you helped me uh, record it. But uh, you were working on a Sunday night of premiere. Uh, You were not on the show, though, because you were working. But uh, Christian and I talked about that year's Oscars. Last year's, I think, was the most fun because Will was just so unbelievably shit-faced.
2: I do have to say that there's a special place in my heart for, like, drunk episodes of these shows.
1: Of any, yeah. Well, that's true because there's this. That's a good point. There are multiple drunk episodes for uh, my fortieth birthday. I know I was uh, definitely drunk uh, on on multiple occasions. But you know what? Not drunk watching the Oscars tonight. Uh, But I'm drunk with equality. (laughs) Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm drunk with wokeness and also drunk with excitement that we are indeed joined by Mr. Christian Toto of Hollywood and Toto. Christian, we see you. You don't see us though, do you?
0: I don't. I
1: see a, 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 a nice producer type person, perhaps. Yes, uh, we appreciate okay. Brianna so much for helping us out. Uh, this is uh, basically she's doing this as part of a work release program. This is not something she gets paid for, but <laughs> she's helping us out and we really appreciate it. Um, but uh, Christian, thanks so much uh, for staying up late. Uh, you know, of course, you're in Mountain Times. So it's not that late, but it is late you know, it's 1030. Uh, most nights at 1030, uh, I'm probably passed out on the couch with just some drool. I mean, now that I have two kids, how many kids do you have? Do you have, uh, multiple kids?
0: I've got two kids, yeah. six and nine. So, yeah. uh, I'm with you. Yeah,
1: exactly. So, you know, you know, what you know what we're
2: talking about. Obviously big uh, Oscar fans.
1: Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm sure that, uh, your, your kids were excited that shape of water won for best picture. Uh, so, uh Christian and I were texting, uh, you know, sort of the logistics before we got started tonight. And I was like, you know, it always goes long, but this year that's like crazy long. It was like 2 hour it was like 45 minutes over. Usually it's like 10, maybe like 15. And I was just like, "Oh, okay, it's fine. I I just got to get to the studio. It's it's less than 10 minutes away." And uh Jeff you still got here before
2: me. Yep, I left uh before the best uh best film Came out so.
1: Well, it's funny because last year I almost left before Best Film, so I almost came to do the show without uh, having seen the the mix up with the award. Um, it, look, it was. Wait, what happened? <laughs> that was <laughs> last year. Yeah. Uh, the uh, the The biggest thing was that I had to catch up because my son was just so tired and i'm like i I gotta put him to bed and everything was taking forever so I, i actually no spoilers on the in memoriam because i had to fast forward through it because i love the in memoriam because it always makes me oh oh no oh i forgot you know but i just i didn't have time i just had to keep going um christian your overall thoughts on the show as a show and then we'll go into talking about some of the movies
0: Wow. What what, what can you say at this point? I mean, a show that is always running long has an extended sketch where the big celebrities meet with the rubes in the theater that goes on and on. A, a jet ski gag that was not funny the first time. And just a, an amazing amount of woke politics. And, you know, each award show, even last year with the, the gaffe with the envelope, at least that was engaging and caught your interest. It was exciting. It was weird. It was unplanned. I feel like nothing in this show was really memorable beyond the fact that it was unmemorable. I mean, I, I just, I'm just amazed by it that they, they just can't make it under three hours. That seems impossible. That should be their mission number one and they can't do it.
1: You know, the interesting thing was that I I actually expected it to be way preachier. I expected it to be uh, a lot more times up, a lot more woke, as I said earlier. Um, and look, it had all that stuff. But I just thought it was going to be, you know, four hours of that. And I'm like, OK, we get it. <laughs> but the fact that they found time to give out awards, um, I, I think that, you know, yeah, they do usually tend to do these things where regular people get to meet the stars. I thought that the thing in the movie theater uh, was fun. But my wife was like, wait a minute, isn't everything closed off for the Oscars? Didn't these people Hmm. probably expect something was going to happen if you go to see a screening of A Wrinkle in Time? Jeff, you didn't actually get to see a lot of the show. Uh,
2: That's surprisingly one of the the snippets I caught.
1: Do you like stuff like that? I mean, I kind of like it because I imagine myself being somebody in the theater. And in that way, I'm like, okay, that would be kind of cool. Oh, Wonder Woman's giving out candy. Uh, Maybe it's not great for the, the home viewers. And you could tell the people inside the Kodak Theater were like... Can you just give out my award already?
2: Mm -hmm. I'm not a huge uh, Oscar show buff, right? So I'm aware of the films. I I watch more of the films. But I don't always catch the Oscars themselves, the presentations. Uh, So as far as Kimmel and his presentation, I uh, I said before, I felt like he was interestingly appropriately self-deprecating to start off like making fun of the academy as it is it's like hey we're all a bunch of like hypocrites remember that remember how we're hypocrites and we couldn't even read an envelope last year lol (laughs) yeah and then uh so with that that same stunt i did it it there was a little moment where he was like we should show appreciation to all the people who make us millionaires, and they were like, "Yeah, haha," ha. Cla- the obligatory clap. He's like, "No, I'm, I'm fucking serious. Yeah, like, let's go, let's go over there, thank them." <laughs> and they're like, "Oh, really?" And he had to like call. Up. He's like, "Get, get up, come on, we're gonna go." Well, I do thought it. that that was interesting. It got uh, awkward, which was a little funny for me. I gotta say,
1: I, I think that that's probably the best part. Uh, Christian, let me know what you think. Uh, you know, he very clearly didn't say come on, Meryl Streep, come on over. You know, he didn't, like, say, Nicholson, come with me. You know? It was like, so who wants to go do this? You know, and it's mm-hmm. like, oh, people who are newer on the scene, like Gal Gadot probably is like, yeah, that's fun. You know, it wasn't like, hey, biggest, most exciting names in the room, come on across the street. Um, and, uh, I, yeah, I mean, it's definitely one of those things that when it comes that late in the show, you're like, you're really doing this? You know? Well, I, I, they,
0: go ahead. they Christian. did it last year, though. Do you remember that segment where they had people... There was some sort of tour bus was driving yeah. nearby the the uh, the uh, stage, and they they kind of hustled them in, and they met some of the stars, and it was kind of cute last year, but it was it was a variation of the same shtick they did tonight. I mean, so way too long, no comic payoff, and I I can't imagine that they just had volunteers. I think they all knew ahead of time, hey Gal Gadot, you're going to come with us, and you're going to come with us as well. So I don't think anything like this is 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 improv, I think it's all planned down to the T. And by the way, if you're gonna have the victims of Harvey Weinstein uh, give out a presentation, which I thought was a great idea, you got to have Rose McGowan there because she's at the heart and soul of this.
1: That was interesting. I thought that the fact that there were only three of them, and you're like, I feel like there's a lot more room on that stage, you know? Uh, <laughs> That's right. And look, you know, I'm sure Uma Thurmond's is not interested, and, you know, I, but uh, yeah, there, there, that was a very empty stage. And uh, you figured that there would have been uh, opportunity, of, well, I mean, they they could have very well had uh, quite a few more people there. Um, Yeah, I mean, there wasn't that much show to this show, which is the way that I think that award shows are supposed to be. You know, there's a couple jokes here and there, but it's more about the awards, some of the speeches and a lot of times your jokes are referencing something that somebody said uh, Jeff, you had a very astute observation that uh, I, so, I think
2: you should share <laughs> Yeah, so I was just saying I, uh, I pay close attention, you know and I like to keep myself informed, I watch a lot of InfoWars, right, so I like to know who <laughs> is controlling Hollywood, and I think based on this Oscars, based on the uh, live action short and the winner of best film, that it's really the Defs that own Hollywood
1: <laughs> you know I, I think that not nearly enough people are saying uh, what you're truly getting to uh, mm-hmm. and you know obviously if I could sign I would I feel like
2: it would be appropriate <laughs> yeah, but, but uh, you don't want to fake sign because no, that just seems like infinitely more offensive No, but I,
1: I, I'll take a page from the original cast of SNL and I'll, uh, I'll uh, have you uh, make that statement again and I will uh, deliver it for the heart of hearing as uh, Garrett Morris would. so go ahead
2: yeah <laughs> uh, it's the deaf who run Hollywood.
1: It's the deaf who run Hollywood. So there you go, my little hat tip of the hat to the great uh, Garrett Morris, who I once got a haircut next to. So you see, these don't worry, the- they're
2: not listening. <laughs>
1: Oh, I don't have the bell. That's a, it's always a moment like that. It's like, oh, I didn't bring the bell. Um, so, uh, Christian, like I was saying, there's not much show to the show. Did there anything else stand out to you as, oh, this worked, didn't work? And it could sort of be some of the clips
0: packages or other things
1: that they did. It doesn't actually have to be the, uh, the attempts at comedy.
0: Well, I was kind of surprised by Jimmy Kimmel's monologue because, listen, it was way too woke for me. Uh, the Trump joke seemed tired. But there were no joke jokes there. There was no big laugh. I'm thinking, you've got months and months to prepare for this. You've got a team of writers. You've got to have a couple of haymaker jokes in there somewhere. He didn't even try. I mean, I, it's almost like, you know, I, I complain a lot about late night comedy that it's very serious. It's more punditry. Where where are the jokes? But there were no jokes tonight. I mean, there were a couple little mild chuckles at best. And then I thought the great Adam Carolla was allegedly behind the scenes scribbling some jokes. I didn't hear one that was even Corolla-esque. I mean, if you're going to do the woke and do the political stuff, at, at least, you know, in between, make us laugh. I mean, there's there's so much material for an Oscar celebration. I mean, look at any Billy Crystal performance or even like a David Letterman or a Jon Stewart. There's funny stuff there sometimes. Even if I don't agree with things, go for the laugh. You're entertaining us. Show us why Hollywood is so magical. And I, it just wasn't there. I mean— I just kind of clung to those clips montages with with both hands, hoping hoping that would kind (laughs) of spark my love for the night. But gosh, it was nothing.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I have a friend who for a long time was a writer on The Daily Show. So that meant when Jon Stewart's hosted the Oscars, they would come out and they spent a lot. I mean, they spent a lot of time and I think that they took the comedy, you know, very seriously and made sure that they got it in there. I think it's it's tough times to make jokes. I mean, that room is a tough place to actually have jokes be told. But if you are going to tell jokes, have them written by people who write good jokes mm-hmm. don't say to the cast of Star Wars, hey, you guys want to you want to riff through some stuff? And, uh, you know, and it was just like, oh, it just hurt. And I I feel like Darth Vader, who for those watching is on my shirt. I feel like he had the last (laughs) laugh. (laughs) <laughs> that uh, he cursed Luke Skywalker in the way that's like, oh, you're gonna have a terrible appearance on the Oscars, and uh, I think uh, they were upstaged by BB-8 only in that he didn't deliver any bad jokes, at least as far as we can tell, mm. you know. Yeah, that was the
0: Empire Strikes Back. Back.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that was... right. <laughs> it doesn't really. Uh, uh, we actually have a few people in the chat, even though we're late. Uh, we're on late. You know, really across the country, it's late. But Shareable Texas, who is a fan of my show, The Trump Report, says it doesn't feel right about Jimmy Kimmel hosting. Dude ran The Man Show and is now speaking on Me Too not a bad point um you know the guy whose show used to feature over the end credits girls on trampolines which i'm not saying was a bad way to end the show i'm just saying that are you anti women's fitness uh, no i'm not anti-trampolines i well you know what i probably am anti trampolines. christian would you ever let your kid on a like a trampoline park because i know i wouldn't what
0: Uh, you know we've got a trampoline in our backyard and i feel awful about it but they have so much fun with it and it's it's been such a tool for us and it's been such a great exercise for them, but I've I read all the horror stories, yeah. so I, I, I watch with trepidation, Oh no! put it I, that way.
2: I had a trampoline from like very young age and it was actually, I think, instrumental in me not getting injured when I played sports <laughs> for the most part because I would like land on my neck and all sorts of stuff, but constantly and bounce up and down and I got really strong uh, in my joints, so when I played competitive <laughs> sports, I like never got hurt.
1: See, I, would ju- I, I mean, I'm just afraid that, you know, to keep it on the theme of the night, that my kid would reenact the pivotal scene from the end of Million Dollar <laughs> Baby, you know? And I'm like, oh, because I got him a trampoline. But, uh, you know, I mean, look, it's an interesting point that you have Jimmy Kimmel, who um, I, I think can be very funny. I think he's a great guest on the Howard Stern show. I don't watch his show, but you know what? I don't watch any of those shows because if I'm up at that point, I, I can't even see straight. I'm just feeding a baby, you know? You know how it is, uh-huh. Jeff. Yeah. (laughs)
2: Well, I mean, then you should probably watch his show because all I ever catch from his show are the viral moments that come out and all that that's been of the last few months is just like him crying about his baby, which, understandably, that's devastating stuff that he went through. But that's pretty much all I know of his show.
1: Well, not to bring the evening down, but I've spent (laughs) enough time with my daughter at Children's Hospital that I don't need to, like, then be, you know, made that much more upset watching Jimmy Kimmel uh, talk about his son, who I'm glad to hear is doing well. Uh, And, you know, I mean, that's what it really comes down to. But, uh, yeah, I I, although I do like, I guess, that they film these videos of uh, parents taking away their Halloween candy from kids, and I think that that's actually kind of a funny idea. But anyway, um, yeah, so um, we'll move into the uh, actual awards but uh you know as, as the show went it's, it's all right uh, it wasn't it wasn't great but it, it wasn't it wasn't a disaster i i don't think um christian let me ask you actually just about some of the movies of the the big nominated movies what were some that stood out for you
0: like what were a couple of your favorites this year well you know get out i remember watching the trailer and i thought this looks awful i mean i couldn't believe how bad it looked okay Jordan Peele, a comedian, making a horror movie just across the board. And then I saw it and I absolutely loved it. And I saw it pretty late in the cycle when everyone else was raving about it. So uh, I'm not upset at all that it got best screenplay. It's a really good movie. And I love the fact that it's a genre movie. I mean, you could argue the same The Shape of Water was a genre movie as well. So, you know, bravo to the Oscar voters for kind of stretching things out a bit and giving horror a little love. Otherwise, you know, it was pretty predictable. Francis McDormand was the favorite. Gary Oldman was the heavy favorite. The Shape of Water, because it got so many nominations, sort of had the inside track on Best Picture. And then Allison Janney with Best Supporting and, you know, Sam Rockwell. Again, because we've seen 16 different award presentations prior, a lot of the mystery has gone away. And that's not the Oscars' fault. It's just the way the system works.
1: Yeah, I uh, I definitely agree. There There weren't really big surprises. I mean— I guess *Shape of Water* winning Best Picture is big only in the way that it didn't fit into any of the narratives that *Get Out* didn't win. And mm-hmm. uh, look, I think *Lady Bird* was a sweet movie. I think it's a, it's a fun and I, I don't know if it's fun, but it's a nice story. It's not a Best Picture kind of movie. I didn't expect it to win, but you know, the the female director didn't win. The you know black director didn't win. You know, any of those things that I thought might have happened mm-hmm. uh, didn't. Uh, but when you take when you peel that away, it, you're not surprised that this is the movie that won. Jeff.
2: Well, the Oscars are obviously intrinsically political. The, the whole there's a whole point about the these people having to sell themselves to the Academy beforehand, right? So, uh, it I think that's why it it feels a little shocking that one of these politically pol- or political or so, in some way perceived to be controversial type. Uh, themed movies, one a la Moon Moonlight, yeah, right. Because that when when we found out that that was actually the actual the best winner, picture, yes, right. It was like, yeah, that fits. Even though that was again, I would say that movie wasn't my favorite of that that year, but it made sense to me as an Oscar winner. Uh, my feeling and, and what I said about Shape of Water is that I I understand why it won. I thought it was a, a beautifully made picture. I've no complaints about it, but it just felt like that's the one Guillermo del Toro is going to win for. Like Mm -hmm. of all his beautiful movies that have moved me over time, like that probably had the least effect. And now it's the best picture, which, you know, congratulations. It just felt like... I don't know, it's almost it's almost like somebody getting the gold medal for their like third best job.
1: Or it's like, you know, basically you give uh, you know, you give John Wayne the Oscar uh, for true grit or something because it's like, well he never really got one, so go ahead. But I would say that uh, you know, Guillermo del Toro is a guy where you're like, he's such a visionary, he's such a unique artist you expect him to win at some point but I 100% agree with you that this is, if you were to just watch his movies just to sit there and watch them and you're like which one of these would you give an Oscar to I don't think it's this one I would give it an Oscar for at least for something for Pan's Labyrinth because mm-hmm. I had never seen anything like that and I'm, I'm still horrified and haunted by it but uh, yeah, absolutely that's, that's that's my own problem uh, I think my wife legitimately is uh, still freaked out by that movie
2: <laughs> so, And that movie's what 10 years old and it I I, that was the first thing my mind went to when you try to think of like, well, what's like a really evocative Del Toro film? Oh, Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah. Um,
1: so I think that you're right uh, that there weren't a lot of surprises. I like Sam Rockwell a lot, though. A oh. uh, lot of movies. That I've, I've
2: I lo- adored him as an actor for a long time, so I'm really... I was surprised. I didn't realize he had pretty much never been on the nominations or whatever so congratulations
1: yeah and he's in uh, a, a movie that i talked about uh when the old dennis miller show was still on I, I had the filmmakers on uh but this movie the way way back a few years ago which right. i really liked and he had kind of a, a nice role in it um christian the thing that surprised me wasn't as much that this was gary oldman's first win but it was only his second nomination and i'm just like where are the nominations for Gary Oldman before yeah. this? And I'm not saying, you know, look, I'd give him an Oscar for Commissioner Gordon, but I think yeah. most people probably wouldn't. That's all right. Why uh, not? Well, because genre movies don't usually get it. I mean, Heath Ledger already got an Oscar for that movie, and I think they weren't going to give out a lot of Batman Oscars. But, Christian, uh, <laughs> what do you think about the fact that, you know, not, look, I thought that, that he was great in that movie. Uh, I'm not saying that he doesn't deserve an Oscar for it, but I was just like, I can't believe he didn't get one before.
0: Yeah, you know, I think if you go back year by year and look at all the people who are nominated, some years are just more competitive than others. So even though we look back at Gary Oldman and say, of course, he's a great actor. He's done wonderful performances, and he's a true chameleon, a guy who looks different in every movie often. It's a little more complicated than that. And also Sam Rockwell, and I loved The Way Way Back. One of my favorite movies and one of my favorite performances maybe ever. It was just so full of life and so magical in a way that a young person relates to an older person in that performance, but it wasn't nominated. So, you know, I feel like each year there's a, there's like a rhythm to the Oscar uh, season and some performances are great, but they don't catch the wave and then they just float off. I mean, it's just, it's really weird how it, it has sort of an energy of its own and some actors just kind of pass on by. I mean, you can look back and lots and lots of performances that were just wonderful. that didn't even get not noticed. and, that's just the way it is. I mean, Robert Redford a couple of years ago for All Is Lost, I'm pretty sure he got just completely uh, ignored, and that was a great role in a very good movie where it was just him. He's on with a very boat little for the, like
1: almost the whole movie or the entire movie, right? I did. I
0: didn't see that movie, but I remember what it is. And yeah,
1: it's it's a perfect example. I'm like, oh, I've heard that's great, but I haven't seen it.
0: Yeah, and I think we, it, I think when we look back, we're going to say that's a great performance. I don't care what the Oscars said. And I think the same thing with The Shape of Water. We're going to look back and that was that was best picture. It was fun. It was interesting. It was clever. It was beautiful to look at, but best picture for a year? I mean, every that's, few that's just,
1: years, every few years, you get a Shakespeare in Love or a Crash. Yeah, you know, you, do, yeah. you always get something. Uh, Jeff.
2: I, I, I realize that this is totally not Oscar worthy, but I just had to, the thought of uh, Michael Fassbender uh, acting off of himself in Alien Covenant. And. When I I remember watching those scenes and then specifically having talked about actors having to like play off of themselves because that crappy Netflix movie that came out with like Numi Rapis, where she played herself like, oh. seven times, it was just awful. Uh, and because they'd have like these dinner scenes, and it was just so terrible. Like that was the worst possible version of acting off yourself. And then I saw uh, Covenant shortly thereafter and I thought it was like incredible how well he was playing off of himself. So. Well,
1: I'm look. I'm sure it's good, and believe it or not, I haven't seen Alien Covenant yet. But not that I don't want to. But uh, nothing will ever top, of course. Nutty Professor to the clumps. So that is the best example of an actor playing off of themselves. Hercules, Hercules. You know, it's funny. We were talking about the way, way back. It's funny that we're talking about a movie that is not that well known from a few years ago. That's a better Ladybird than Ladybird. You know, oh, it's yeah. a similar kind of story. And yes, it's a. Because it's, it's about boys. It's about boys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, Jim Rash and Nat Faxon made the movie. So it's, the, you know, the narrative isn't there the same way. But I'm like, that's a way more come, better coming of age story uh, for me, anyway. Uh, yes, Jeff.
2: I'm like, I think there's like a small part of me that's just bitter towards Lady Bird as a movie because that movie's basically about like the girl I dated in college who was from the Sacramento <laughs> area, Sacramento? went to like film school and everything. It's just like, get over yourself. Like, I get it. Move on, (laughs) Sasha. Uh, The thing about
1: uh, Gary Oldman winning, too, was that uh, there was a shout out for uh, Douglas Urbanski, who was uh, part of the Westwood One family, had his own radio show, but he uh, guest hosted for Dennis, somebody that uh, I know a little bit. And uh, I was just like, he's worked with Gary forever. So uh, I was uh, glad to hear that. Every once in a while I hear one of those. There was like one name of somebody that Heather's like, oh, yeah, I work with that person's wife that, you know, not the person on stage, but somebody who got mentioned, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's like you always try to like we could do like a bingo for uh, people, uh, you know, Uh, there's a lot of things that I don't know that I expected to see happen, uh, such as uh, Kobe Bryant winning an Oscar. I mean, Mm -hmm. ever in my life, Mm -hmm. I'm not I like I didn't see that that. Look like it's probably pretty cool, but it's
2: not something I expected to see was Kobe Bryant uh, winning an Oscar. Kobe Bryant has more Oscars. This is a meme, so I'm not going to pretend I came up with this. More Oscars yeah. than uh, Tom Cruise, Johnny Depp, <laughs> and Brad Pitt combined. And this is the part that I added on, and I bet he can dunk over all of them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> was there anything that surprised you in terms of the awards, uh, Christian? I mean, you know... Kobe Bryant winning an Oscar, it's more of just the, huh? But I mean, was there anything you're
0: like, oh, okay, this actually surprised me? I don't think there was. You know, I think early on in the ceremony, I, either I tweeted or this thought to myself, this is like a parody of what I expected this to be, like with all the virtue signaling and all the sort of the commentary. Like I, I, I mean, I can't believe they went there. And it's funny because the Oscar producers before the presentation, this is like maybe a week ago talked to the New York Times and said, you know what, we're going to have a less political show. We're going to focus on the movies. I'm like, you're not. Of course you're not. Why are you saying that? (laughs) So, yeah, I just, nothing really caught me. You know, there are often moments, uh, quirky speeches, uh, some weird repartee between the presenters. And I thought I was, that's what, that's kind of what you love about these, these, these events. Because they're, they catch off guard. It's a live, it's live TV. I didn't even feel like there were any moments like that or even, Great Jimmy Kimmel riffs on things that happen spur the moment, because that's often the magic of the show where a Billy Crystal or a Letterman or a Jon Stewart see something goofy and then makes it even funnier. I didn't see any of that. I just, it just felt everything felt flat to me.
1: Well, to uh, bring it around to the sort of things that you cover at Hollywood and Toto and hollywoodandtoto.com And I believe you're at Hollywood and Toto is where people can find you. I was so excited to jump into the show. I didn't do uh, any of the business up front uh, promoting <laughs> uh, where people can find you. Uh, I thought that uh, that was a, that was a nice sort of a touching homage for uh, people who had served. And, uh, you know, there was like a big screen thanks to the military. It's not something that you necessarily come to expect out of leftist <laughs> Hollywood. So I, so when you get something like that, uh, you're like, oh, that's kind of nice. And I also thought that Wes Studi was uh, very funny when he talked about his service in Vietnam and there was this smattering of applause and he looked around yeah. and he said, Anybody else, you know, I was like wondering if anybody else was going to join in and applaud And they're like, oh, no, Vietnam. No, we still don't clap for Vietnam. I mean, Jane Fonda was in the building. So, you know, obviously I think that they were afraid to applaud uh, for
0: Vietnam in general. Yeah, (laughs) I I stand corrected. That was a surprise. No one really expected that. It was it was I mean, it wasn't long, but it was yeah, it was a good moment. And another quick thought, you know, I I know they went for they really kind of pushed the diversity. Uh, aggressively as far as who were the presenters, which is fine, but I really wanted, like when I watch the show as someone who's loved Hollywood forever, I want the big stars. I want the Nicholson's. I want the Dustin, not, well, maybe you can't have Dustin Hoffman anymore. And like, (laughs) it was great to have Rita Moreno who looks freakishly young for her age. I think she might be in her eighties. You know, it was wonderful. She was full of life. I I think I saw on the, on Twitter that she wore the same dress she wore way, way, way back when. Nice. I want to see the superstars. I want to see the the Sydney Poitiers, the Denzel Washingtons, the the people that you've you've loved for years, and then we're getting like Gina Rodriguez. I, no no offense on Gina Rodriguez, but she's not a big movie star. This is a night for the biggest movie stars, for the, and that's why I was I was applauding when Christopher Walken came on stage. I mean that's that's the magic of movies. The not the actors who are who get a couple of gigs and go away. This is a very tough business. And if you can survive for decades and and keep getting people to watch you, that's amazing. I mean, I, like a Jodie Foster is a good example. Yeah. That's what I love about these nights. And I just didn't see much of it tonight.
1: Yeah, Jodie Foster comes out with Jennifer Lawrence, who looks like she's two feet taller than Jodie <laughs> Foster, which I didn't think that Jodie Foster was particularly tall. But I'm like, wait, is Jennifer Lawrence a giant? Am I missing something? Uh, but to your point about Gina Rodriguez, she presented with tom holland so uh, i will share oh now. and same with him yeah he's yeah. not a big star yet he may he, well be some but day. he is spider-man so uh, i will share of course uh the the joke that i had at home because i was very proud <laughs> of myself uh gene rodriguez who plays jane the virgin tom holland who plays spider-man also known as peter the virgin but anyway just this, <laughs> this a little something for my comic book friends and speaking of comic books Best adapted. He barely
2: knew her. (laughs) Nice.
1: Uh, Best adapted screenplay did not go to Logan. I thought that that would have uh, been a nice touch. I think that that was a great movie. Mm. Not something that I really expected. I also would have been very happy to see the disaster artist
2: win in that category. But uh are you, the winners escaping me real quick? Who won the adapted screenplay? That's a great question. Call me by your name. Call me by okay, your name. And that's so
1: right. that's another one of those ones where oh okay, so the 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 gay experience story. So it's like sometimes <laughs> there are things that you know that's another one. That was the other example I wanted for the narrative of like, you know, movies that could have won because it would have uh, fit a specific uh, specific role. So that's what won. Mm-hmm. In Instead of uh, Logan or the disaster artist.
2: Who was it? Well, I thought it was on here recently that somebody made that hilariously salient point of, like, that movie is about exactly what Kevin Spacey is being persecuted for. Like a 25-year-old man going after a teenage oh, boy.
1: Yeah, the uh, Call Me By Your Name. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think... Well, you know what? I, I'm not going to lie. I haven't seen... Uh, call Me By Your Name. I haven't either. A, I'm a, sure fr- a friend may or may not have loaned me a screener. It may or may not be in a stack somewhere in my house. I have definitely not watched it. If With it, your it
2: other is. gay porns? Uh,
1: no, no. Those have been watched un- repeatedly. <laughs> yeah. Look, I just watched them for the story, okay, Jeff? <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, Christian, there's no reason to expect something like Logan to win for even Best Adapted, right? I mean, that was just the nerd in me wanting, you know, some... Some something for nerds
0: to get excited about. Yeah, no, I agree. But at the same time, I applaud the voters for giving it a chance. I mean, yeah. again, it, it, I think maybe a year or two ago, Mad Max Fury Road was up for Best Picture. That's an action, sci-fi, dystopian romp. That's not Oscar stuff. So I do appreciate the fact that the, I think the voters are getting a little more loose or at least a little more willing to kind of applaud things that are not, you know, historical biopic. This is, a, you know... There's certain formulas that are so locked in in Oscar voting that anytime it gets shaken up a little bit, I think it's cause for celebration. So I think Logan just getting nominated alone was good.
1: Yeah, I think uh, you—it's a very specific kind of superhero story. You're not—I don't know—that your, you know, <laughs> your your X Men Avengers movies are going to be nominated. Yeah. I mean, Sand- who knows,
2: Sandman will win this San, uh, with the Neil Gaiman Sandman yeah, when it eventually comes out. I
1: was gonna say, I think I think we're still waiting for that. But yeah, you know, I mean, that's the sort of thing that could. But I think like an actual movie with known superheroes, I, I, you know, I mean, again, Heath Ledger for Dark Knight is a very specific exception but yeah. you know I think seeing that but by the way the uh, based on characters created by Len Wein and John Romita Sr. the actual comic book nerds who are fans of the black cast would probably be like how did that not, no that drove me crazy because the character is not even remotely created by them He just <laughs> happened to you know Len Wein wrote for the Incredible Hulk when Logan showed up the character in that movie is not based on anything that is from you know the early 70s but anyway that's a sort of the. um i did think that some of the presenters had some good moments i thought sandra bullock having them uh, lower the lights so that she could look younger and like okay let's get down to 38 you know i mean things like that might go on too long but i'm like all right i kind of like that sort of stuff uh and you know we mentioned jodie foster before her uh coming out on crutches and saying that meryl streep i tanya'd her i'm like yeah see that i like i like the stuff when you know, the actual celebrities and movie stars can joke around about each other, you know, and and that that's the sort of stuff that makes it a fun night. But those moments are always few and far between.
2: Call me cheap, but I was mad at her for leaving the obvious pun on the table that she got a streak down.
0: <laughs> <Stripped> down. <laughs>
2: um, cinematography went to
1: Blade Runner 2049, and I only bring this up because, as Jeff knows, I I just was like, man, the first one's so good. And I just, just to stare, you just stare at the original Blade Runner with the sound off and you just look at it or... You turn the picture off and just listen to it, You know, it's like it's like a masterpiece. This is like – it's okay. Our friend Will, who's not here, I would say it, it's fine. But uh, this is one of those movies I was not blown away by, and maybe it's because I was so excited going into it. Christian, I know – look, cinematography is not a major award, but what do you think about
0: that movie? Uh, just to kind of get your thoughts. Well, I mean if you're going to give it any award, it's for cinematography because it looks absolutely gorgeous. So I, I get that. And yeah, I was a little left, you know, it's, it's the kind of film where people didn't appreciate Blade Runner initially for the most part. So I I don't, I don't, I'm kind of hesitating to say it was meh because I feel like I want to watch it again in a few years and see how it kind of flows over me. But uh, yeah, it didn't, it didn't grab me like I wanted it to. And I think it won for best uh, special effects over war for the planet of the apes. And I thought that the achievement of making those apes so darn realistic should have won the day. I mean, I think I watched it recently again. It's stunning what they did. So it, I'm just I'm kind of skipping categories here, but uh, yeah, I, I I think no one can deny how good Blade Runner twenty forty nine looks. But it, it did, it just didn't have it to me as a story.
1: Right. And uh, Jeff, I'll, I'll let you weigh in on that movie for a second. But you know, you mentioned Planet of the Apes, and the, just from a technical standpoint, being able to make a movie that has is filled with CGI characters who are apes and only one of them actually really speaks English and you know you've got like 20 minute sequences where you have one ape who talks and the rest are doing sign language and they're out in the snow. The deaf own Hollywood, I fucking <laughs> see, told you. Uh, <laughs> see, this just uh this just illustrates your point. Uh Jeff, tell me why I'm wrong about Blade Runner 2049. And I, I don't know. I just I I was just so underwhelmed and maybe disappointed because I wanted to like it so much.
2: I don't want to say that you're wrong. I enjoyed the film, but I'm not like its defender in any regard. Um I think I saw Blade Runner for the first time, like, much more recently than you, obviously. Um, but, like, probably only within the last 10 years or something. Okay. So, to me, like, I don't know, the having seen that movie then and then seeing this movie now, the pacing didn't bother me as much as it seemed to have bothered a lot of other people. Which is also interesting because that's uh, I hated Sicario, which is uh, another Denis Villeneuve film. Right, and everybody like loves that movie, and everybody who loves that movie hated this movie, and I like loved or enjoyed this movie. It just seems like this there's this weird crossover, almost like this uncanny valley for Denis Villeneuve movies, where it, like just either pisses you off or it works. It's like either too slow. It's just right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, so let's talk about you know a movie that has a couple of wins: uh, Francis McDormand and Sam Rockwell, uh, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, which I found to be a good movie. And I guess the fact that it doesn't have sort of the tidy ending that I thought it would, if you haven't seen the movie, uh, I guess we can be sort of vague. There's a character that we meet who we think is somebody who they've been looking for the whole time. And when it turns out that it isn't really, I'm like, Oh, well, they're going to go get him anyway. (laughs) And I'm like, all right, I guess. But I think because, and look, it's probably better storytelling to not go with the obvious choice, but it didn't, I don't know. I guess it wasn't satisfying for me in that way. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, I I think there were great performances in that movie that there's that kid in that movie who is also from the Casey Affleck movie, uh, Manchester by the Sea. And he's in like three other things. And every time I see that kid, I'm like, who the hell is that kid? And I look him up. Oh, right. It's that kid from Manchester by the Sea who everything I see him and he's good. Mm -hmm. It's just now it's only finally just starting to stick with me. What did you think of three billboards, Jeff?
2: I would say that was probably my favorite uh, film of the ones nominated. I love Martin McDonough films. Um, the, there's the three that I know of. If there's others, I'm not aware of them. But uh, in Bruges, uh, Seven Psychopaths, and this one, I just, I think they're phenomenal. I love the dialogue. I love the way that people interact with one another. I love that it's like that unconventional st- storytelling style, like that it kind of like messes with the beats that you would expect it to, and that, so it, it, it um, guess yeah, Spoiler alert. Uh, skip ahead like ten or thirty seconds yeah. if you haven't seen the film. In the middle of the movie, uh, Woody Harrelson killing himself is just like out of left field almost, yeah. and it just throws you for your loop. Feels like it should be the end of the film, but it's not. It's almost like, uh, like the inciting point of action because to me the film so much became about the de- uh, development of Sam Rockwell like as a character and a human being, right? We start off the film, he's just an asshole with no real reason.
1: Although he does read comics, but, so I'm going to give him well, that. Yeah, I'm, only sure. gonna, I'm only giving him that, but I will give him that.
2: And that's why he can become a better person. <laughs>
1: that's right. Uh, but there's also, you know, look, there's arson gone wrong in the middle of the film, which changes everything, yep. tying into what you're saying. Uh, and I, I think there is a lot going on in it. And I guess I just wish that what it ended, I felt like... Yeah. Instead, I was like, oh, OK, sure. Uh, Christian, what did you think of three
0: billboards? I have to rewind briefly to say I'm pretty sure the classic line, um, they're filming midgets. Was that from In Bruges? Did I get that right? Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget. That. Anyway, you know, I I love the acting and like the movie. And, it, you know, a lot of people said, oh, this is a dark comedy, a black comedy, a riotous comedy. I didn't laugh, nor did I get the comedy angle of it. And they also thought that the um, Frances McDormand's character wasn't just aggrieved and going too far. She was kind of like a monster. And while everyone's saying that the Sam Rockwell character was the monster, I think they were both monsters. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of makes it uncomfortable for me to watch. But also uh, just absolutely phenomenal acting. And I think Woody Harrelson would have had a better chance for best supporting and stealing it from Rockwell if he had one or two more scenes. But gosh, I love, I love Harrelson so much on screen. I, he's, he's just so versatile, so interesting, so charismatic, so unexpected always. And he's always the best thing about it. he does. He's, he amazes me and I, I think if you kind of go back to Cheers and go, okay, who's the breakout star who's gonna be making movies for decades? You don't say Woody. You say almost anyone else in that cast.
1: It's a great point because, yeah, when you see him on that, you know, you think that, uh, you know, maybe he's going to do White Men Can't Jump. And and that would be it. But, which, by the way, he's great in that movie. I'm picking a movie because I was thinking of one of his first movies. But, I I mean, how great he was on True Detective, Mm -hmm. you know, the good season. And, you know, the just, and you see him, I mean, I guess he's getting in his older age, he's starting to play a very specific type. But at the same time, he gives very different performances in movies, and he he's one of those guys who's sort of sneakily gone and become you know one of our better actors. I'm not going to say he's you know I don't I don't want to give somebody too many kudos and have people mm-hmm. freak out. But I think I think he's a great actor, and uh, he really was able to show it in this movie. And, yeah, very surprising sort of uh, the turn his character
2: takes yeah. for
1: the people who fast-forwarded and didn't hear what you said before.
2: Yeah, I, well, I'd say for the people who fast-forwarded that considering how little he's in that movie, how um, emotional that scene was, I think it mm-hmm. speaks volumes.
1: Yeah, and it's it's so different and so well-handled uh, for, you know, stuff like – look, we see stuff like that happen all the time. And uh, in movies, I mean, not in our lives, geez. But uh, and I think that it was a very unique way to kind of handle it. Uh, another movie that didn't get uh, a lot of awards, but as we said, Alice and Jenny won for I, Tanya. I think if that movie was going to win anything, that was it right there. Oh, yeah. Watching that movie, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. And mm. it's funny because Alice and Jenny like always wins the the Emmy you know, and now she's like, hang on, I got this. And she beat Lord Metcalf, another TV actress. So there you go. So it's, uh, you know, everything comes together. But I thought she was fantastic in there. And it's funny because uh, my wife and I watched Itani together, I don't know, a month ago or so. And it was only seeing the clips tonight and seeing Margot Robbie there. And she pointed out like, you know, it was like, the way that they made her up and the way she acted they might as well have gotten Jamie Presley who was the wife on My Name is Earl (laughs) I'm like oh my gosh she would have been a perfect Tanya Harding Mm -hmm. you know I mean she's not Harley Quinn but I'm like oh yeah that's the the exact actress that you want to play that character Uh, I thought that was a good movie it's a very unlikable person in real life so it's different when it's an unlikable character in a movie and you can just be like oh that fictional you know uh, Archie Bunker and Eric Cartman are great characters so you can Hmm. really like them but they're not real people at least I don't think Eric Cartman's a real person. I might be wrong, but <laughs> you know. Uh, but this is Tanya Harding, and whatever her involvement is, it, you know, it, you're just like, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure you're a piece of shit. So uh, <laughs> it's hard to to really uh,
0: get wrapped up. What did you think of *I Tanya* Christian? I really liked it, and I, I think that the movie does play fast and loose with her life, where you you feel much more sympathetic toward her, and it doesn't really kind of detail how. How enmeshed she was in that plot. But having said that, I thought the structure was fascinating. It was a little documentary ish. They break the fourth wall a couple of times, but I just thought it was, it was rigorously entertaining. I was involved from the, the get go. And I, you know, I, I think at the same, sometimes with Oscar bait movies, I just want to have fun with it. And I, and I thought it, it had that it was dark. It was funny. It was tragic. It had almost everything. And then by the time that sort of that man of mystery slash bodyguard appears, I was hooked. I thought it was very compelling. So I, I, I enjoyed it highly and Alice and Janney I have no problem with her winning. And I think that her performance was so good because as monstrous and as over the top as she was as the mother, I still felt a little humanity kind of flickering within her. And I think that's the magic of the performance. Uh, Jeff, what did you think of uh, Tanya? I thought it was good. It was, it's, I didn't think it was anything
2: fantastic. I think it's uh, just kind of, if you've seen the documentaries about her, which I have, um, because I was a, I was a, like right at the right age where that's like one of my early memories is like, oh yeah, Tanya Harding, the one who like breaks kneecaps. There's an old, old, like 90s film that I grew up watching called like Attack of the Five Foot Two Women that's like half about Tanya Harding and half about Lorena Bobbitt. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> the, the good old days. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Women so do- I gotta wi- say, second best Tanya <laughs> Harding film I've seen. <laughs> women, gotta put it wi- out
1: there. <laughs> women dealing with their aggression. Uh, another movie that I sat there and knew it was well made, but it was exactly what I expected it to be. So I think that, again, I didn't really feel anything. Uh, Dunkirk is a great accomplishment and there's some very good performances. Visually, it won all these technical awards. All of that. It's great. But you know how interested I am in Dunkirk? I like the way it was handled better in Darkest Hour, where it's like a thing that happens and they just talk about it. And um, there was something about that movie. And I feel like most people who've seen it are just blown away and it's amazing. And I don't know what it was about it. But there was just something where I'm like, I know this is good, but this was supposed to be good. Mm -hmm. How about... Give me, like, amazing, which, you know, Kenneth Branagh is great. You know, everything is good about it. But nothing about it was great to me. It was all good. Nothing great, though. Jeff?
2: Uh, my analysis of that film that I stick to is that I felt like it was incredibly interestingly told, but that's about all it had going for it. It wasn't an interesting story. It was just interestingly told story. Like, people taking a small boat ride from France to England is really not the most exciting, because at the end of the day, that's what it was, is you got civilian boats coming over, getting them, and getting them over. It took a course of a day for the actual uh, um, evacuation, right? Sure. So, I don't know. But, but the breaking it into three parts, having the different uh, perspectives on time, that's what made it a fascinating story to me.
0: Christian, what did you think of Dunkirk? It's the, uh, such an achievement in sound and visuals, and such an achievement in making an emotionally distant story. I didn't care about the characters. I didn't. I didn't connect with anyone on screen. Uh, I missed half the dialogue. I don't know if that's maybe so I'm getting old, but it was either just uh, over, overrun by the the guns, or the the dial, or sort of the accents. I just. I was amazed by it. I mean, I I understand why it blew people away. It's a very strong visceral experience. But I didn't didn't care. It's a war movie. I I should be right on the front lines with them. I should be bleeding for them. I should be hoping against hope that they survive. And I had none of those emotions. So I think technically it's a marvelous film, but it's something I never want to watch again.
1: Yeah, I felt like there maybe what was missing was heart. I mean, there's the you know, the the boy who dies in it, I should have felt something, but I was like oh, that sucks for him. So uh, oh, I should probably get a refill on this popcorn soon. and And Jeff has been to the movies with me enough that he knows, like, hey, that's really important. Yeah, you know, that's how I <laughs> and, and it's interesting because to me, this movie is part of, you know, just to bring it all back to comic books, like we talk about so much here on the cast it's like all part of like a big crossover event between the King's Speech, Dunkirk, and Darkest Hour. They all reference kind of the same things. You know, the hey, that's the King from the King's Speech, and oh, he's talking about Infinity Dunkirk evacuation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> all we need is Thanos and the, the Dunkirk gauntlet <laughs> at the end. Uh, but uh, you know, and if I have to pick one of those movies, I'm like. Uh, King Speech is the best one, and the best performance is definitely like Gary Oldman's great as Winston Churchill in The Darkest Hour. I think that the the woman who plays his assistant is sort of somebody that you can identify with, and that's the whole point of the character. But that, that's it's not like to me that movie was amazing. That was like a great performance that you're like, well, he he he's gotta win for this because mm-hmm. that that's not what Gary Oldman looks like. Gary Oldman looks like Commissioner Gordon. I know Gary Oldman.
2: Let me give you my like, super quick breakdown of the entire plot of The Darkest Hour. Gives a speech, nobody waves their hankies. Gives a speech, <laughs> everyone waves their hankies. Uh, the you, end. you should
1: have said spoiler alert
2: before that. Sorry,
1: spoiler <laughs> alert, hanky what, alert. What was your uh, ultimate thought on uh, Darkest Hour, Christian?
0: I thought uh, I, it was a movie that I wanted to love more than any movie this year, and I thought it was good. And obviously, the performance is spectacular and the, the makeup is transformative in a way that we just don't see. Because Hollywood, for all its magic, they can't make people look old. They're, just, they're terrible at it. But I think they did a beautiful job there. To me, and this is actually echoing what it was just said it was Winston gives a speech, then he gives another speech, then he gives a third speech, then by the 18th speech, but this one's really important speaking, I was burned out by it. I felt like it needed more of a cadence, a rhythm to it than it had. Maybe break out of the sort of the environment that he was in, and, and you know he does that a little bit with that that train ride or subway, or whatever whatever that yeah. was. But I, you know, what I did. Just- I- I Didn't did really, really like. like
1: I did really like that scene, and, and I hope that that's true. I, you know, I'm like I hope that really happened. I uh-huh. liked Winston Churchill on the tube talking to everyday people and getting ideas. I'm like, well, that's kind of cool.
2: Did you know that working title for this film was King Speech Two, not the King Speech? <laughs> well, the interesting <laughs>
1: thing is the first speech that he gives. I'm like, oh, this is we'll 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 you know we'll fight them on the beaches. I'm like, oh, all right, we're gonna get that speech, and then the movie's gonna be about and like no no, it's just about building. T- to that speech and i i was like why well, already i already they already had that speech at the end of dunkirk <laughs> you know so i've i've seen that speech this year uh, i i don't know um but you know there but you didn't
2: get the prerequisite speeches <laughs> that, that's to true know
1: how so the movies that won you know there aren't a lot that i think that are amongst like my favorite movies one that i'm just going to completely admit i even from the clips, I can still barely figure out what it's about. Christian,
0: what is Phantom Thread? <laughs> okay, I did not see Phantom okay. Thread. It kind of came out so late in the cycle. I didn't get a screening or a screener. And then by the time I came out, it just, I was so disinterested in everything about it. I know it's, you know, Daniel Day Lewis and he's great and Paul Thomas Anderson's right, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> it didn't look remotely interesting. It looked like a, you know, there are certain. I guess auteur pieces that engage you or thrill you or intrigue you or oh, I'm going to see that because that person did it. I just had no reaction to this film whatsoever, and I just missed it. And and I, I you know I hear people saying it's boring, it's this, it's that. I, I'm getting a sense that 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 director has a cult of personality, and whatever he puts together, people love. And I I'm not in that cult. Yeah, I mean I've talked a lot about
1: Paul Thomas Anderson, and that in his movies are like there's like hidden a movie that i like like magnolia i thought was great right up until the frog started raining and somewhere in <laughs> there will be blood was a great movie. But what I sat through was a still pretty good movie, but it wasn't a great movie. And I was like, I, I'm, I don't, you know, I don't think movies need to be short, but sometimes I'm like, let me go in, let me get into that movie and kind of take out all this other stuff that I don't think we really needed. And, uh, yeah. And I, I guess I, I tread very lightly when it, it comes to, when it comes to Paul Thomas Anderson. But, uh, uh, I feel like I might see that one at some point, but you know, because I don't have a screener might not, um, call me by your name. Uh, you know, the fact that our friend will, who's usually here on the podcast that when he didn't love that movie, I was like, all right, that seems like a movie he should, that should be right up his alley, you know? And I'm like, when he doesn't like it. Uh, he undersold it. I'm like, all right, I, I, I'm probably not going to not gonna get to that. You know?
2: well, I think movies like that, and this is me just completely making an assumption, so I'll watch the movie eventually and find you out could, if I'm oh, yeah. right. Cause, cause because I it,
1: may or may not have it, and I may or, it, may, or may not loan it to you. Who yeah. knows? Yeah. <laughs> uh,
2: is that it's obviously about a relationship dynamic, and if the relationship dynamic is about like a young man and an older man, that might not be the most relatable for like a bunch of us so it depends to me how esoteric those problems are like you know I don't know I could see that film turning a lot of people off just from the sense of like I see that this is beautifully made I don't dislike the film I just there's nothing about it that I can connect with in my personal experience and I think at the root of all enjoyment of film is finding something some nugget of what you just saw that you can connect with was that one that you saw Christian call me by your name?
0: Yeah, you know, I I, I thought it was perfectly fine. I, I didn't. I wasn't enamored with it, but I do think that uh, when it comes to films that you know, like uh, I'm Straight, it's a gay love story. There's there's always got to be those moments in a film that you could all relate to. Like Lady Bird, Lady Bird's a, a a teenage girl's coming of age story. But I could I could relate to her like falling in love for the first time, getting her heartbroken, uh, being unsure about her relationships tension with her parents those are universal truths so i think the good movies touch on those whether it's a gay relationship or a straight relationship or a girl or a guy coming of age i mean i I think uh, to be a successful movie it's got to kind of cross those barriers and if it's very specific then i think you do lose a lot of people
1: by the way lady bird you you reminded me because you talked about gay relationship lady bird another one of those movies that that kid from manchester by the sea was in Uh he's in that movie
2: too (laughs) being a gay eventually sorry 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 Queer,
1: <laughs> well, yeah, because of the part of the country you're from, you're still allowed to use that word. Uh-huh. Only you, only, uh-huh. only the Boston accent. Uh, anyway, uh, Christian, I've enjoyed talking about these Oscar movies with you. I did want to talk about more and more important movie that you've written about recently. Actually, I, you didn't write about it, but it's it's featured on HollywoodAndToto.com. Um, Death Wish. Now, this is a movie that I, I feel like, well, so the piece on Hollywood and Toto, I guess, Carl Kozlowski, and let me know if I said his name incorrectly, he basically wrote a piece about there's two movies that I would see under the same circumstances. Oh, suddenly I have some extra time. It's 108 degrees in the valley. I want to sit in some air conditioning. Uh, I would see either Death Wish or Red Sparrow. And um, I understand that there's some nudity I might be interested in, Red Sparrow. So right now, that might win. But uh, have you seen
0: either or both of these movies? Yeah, I saw both of them. I reviewed them both for the site, and that was an extra story I wrote. I don't like to do two movie reviews. of like I don't want to repeat myself, but the fact that uh, Carl is, is a very good writer, and also he's very anti-gun, so I thought his perspectives on Death Witch were interesting. Oh, interesting, sure. Um, but uh, yeah, and as far as the nudity in Red Sparrow, it's— it is not the titillating kind of of any sort. It's it's no, more no punishing <laughs> and
1: <laughs>
0: look what I, I just did. I, I'm glad, I'm glad you, I'm, you, know, you
1: beat me to it. But uh, yeah, so you're saying it's actually not presented in a sexy manner? Absolutely not. Oh, I mean, no. Jennifer Lawrence
0: is gorgeous. I think she's actually becoming more beautiful as she gets a little older, and she's a great actress. I've I, you know I, I admire her in all her work. But this is not like oh I can't wait to see Jennifer Lawrence naked. It's not yeah. that kind of movie. All right. Well, uh, sorry. Uh, yeah. Uh, but
1: uh, yeah, but uh, Death Wish just sort of has this this stigma attached to it. And, you know, we talked on the Black Cats a lot about the Netflix Punisher series. And we're like, look, we get it. There, There are certainly far too many by there even being one mass shooting ever that's too many and i'm like you can still tell stories like this i'm okay with stories like this being told death wish and the punisher uh you know i mean any of the you know schwarzenegger and bruce willis movies from our youth i think that all those movies are still something that uh there's there's room for but i understand the idea that you pointed a movie like this, like, oh, I don't know. Should he really have guns or should they do what they did to ET and
0: make him have walkie talkies instead of guns? Uh, well,
1: can J- I, ask, can yeah. I ask
0: you both a question? Sure. Yeah. Most media writers, most film critics are absolutely aghast at the new Death Wish. And it's, you know, it's vigilantism. It's a, it's an, you know, it's NRA approved, but then you have the Punisher on Netflix and obviously other iterations of it sure. as well. Aren't they very similar? I mean, person gets his family wiped out to a yeah. certain degree. Person gets gets his guns going, gets revenge, takes out the trash. Why was there such outrage over the Death Witch? And I don't see nearly that, or, or maybe none at all. The- was Punisher.
1: There was very minimal outrage against The Punisher, but it was mostly from the sort of sites that cover comic book stuff. So they felt like, well, mm-hmm. they need to take the you know, take the point. And by the way, the comic book version of The Punisher is is literally Death Wish. You know, his, his okay. family's like out in the park and it's a mob hit gone wrong. The Netflix version's a lot more modern and high-tech, sort of what happens. But yeah, and I I, I agree, by the way, and I think. It's the simple fact that it's a movie, and they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to point to this movie. And maybe because it's a Netflix show, and God, Netflix has so many shows and so many movies, maybe people did miss it. Do you have any thoughts, Jeff, as to what the difference was? Um,
2: I would say that I guess here's probably the easiest uh, Oakham's razor solution. A movie has an infinitely larger marketing budget than a Netflix series, so more people knew about it and knew to complain about it. I you know it's I think that might ultimately be what it it comes down to.
1: And uh look, I of course am a sucker for Bruce Willis and that goes a long way. I have I own all five Die Hard movies and I know what I'm saying cuz two of them are really good. <laughs> the one with good.
2: Jai Courtney even? Yes, even the one with Jai <laughs> Courtney.
1: And by my estimation, only the first one and third one are good movies. By the way, uh, the first one like is a
0: that, great. That one's called Die Hard, by the yeah. way. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
1: <laughs> it is indeed called Die Hard. Uh, the first Die Hard, I would say, is a great movie, mm-hmm. and I would say that the third Die, Die Hard is a is a really good movie. And then the rest, I don't know. I just I, I just feel like I need to own them. But uh, I I love Bruce Willis so much that I, I feel like I will see this movie. And, uh, you know, now that I have a better understanding of the nudity in Red Sparrow, you know, maybe (laughs) maybe I'll see if it ends up on Mr. Skin at some point or something. (laughs) I I don't know. Uh, But anyway, and uh, Christian, you're always writing about films and and I guess, media in general over at Hollywood and Tota, right? You don't it's not only movie reviews. And I know you have your podcast
0: on there as well. Yeah, no, I cover TV, a little bit of music as well. And I do critique my fellow critics sometimes and also the sort of the Hollywood entertainment media because I think they really fall down on the job a lot. I think they overcover some things and completely ignore other things, which are pretty important. So uh, I, I just feel like I I'm, you know, I, I want to kind of alert people to what's going on in journalism. I think it's important. So I do that a lot at the site. And it is
1: Hollywoodintoto.com. And as I said, you are at Hollywood in toto. Uh, what's uh, what's coming up, sort of movie-wise, that uh,
0: you're looking forward to? Something that you haven't seen yet, but you are looking forward to. You know, this one's a little bit off the radar. It's a horror film. I've just heard about it recently, called A Quiet Place, and I believe it's it's oh, it's man. Emily Blunt and John Krasinski, and I think he directed it. Oh wow! And the trailer is just fascinating. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a family living in this sort of sort of out of the way home, and they have to live their lives extremely quietly because if they make noise something comes out and gets them and that doesn't sound like a really interesting premise but when you see the trailer i just was grabbed by it so i'm curious about that obviously avengers infinity war i'm I'm there in a heartbeat and uh otherwise you know it's just the usual reboots and sequels and stuff and i'll I'll check it out and hope that they're good but uh those two movies kind of jumped to mind for me for a quiet place like
2: It looks like it's exactly what I thought They Come at Night was. Okay. Right? Like, when I first saw the trailer for that movie, that's what I thought there was going to be something that came at night.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Spoiler alert. And, by the way,
1: uh, Infinity War, the big news being that they moved it up to, like, the end of April, and I'm like, great, because I've already been waiting for too long for this movie. (laughs) So just if they want to keep moving it up, uh, that'll be great. And, uh, you know, I'm really looking forward to Infinity War – and as I've talked about in one of the shows that I do here uh, at AfterBuzz TV, I am fairly convinced that at least most of our beloved phase one Avengers are going to die in this movie, mostly mm-hmm. because there will be no contract renewals for these actors. And, <laughs> you know, look, Chadwick Boseman going to be in five more movies. You know, everybody else is locked up. They're like, we're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. So uh, although I do think. Robert Downey Jr. will be making these movies uh, after he dies. I think that they'll they'll do sort of the Grand Moff Tarkin Rogue One treatment with him.
2: <laughs> um, I know that you're going to get a solo cup either way, but how excited for you, the movie are you?
1: <laughs> Look, I'm I'm excited. I, I'm very excited, and uh, but I'm probably I don't know. There's there's so many there's just so many things coming out. This is a this is a good
0: time. This is going to be a good time for nerds, really. Uh, you know, yeah. I mean... I, My there's... problem with the solo movies is that they made the solo trailer and you don't get to see Han Solo. I thought that was a little weird.
2: Yeah. Have you seen the better version of it where somebody like recut cut it to... Oh, that was Sabotage yeah, by the it was
1: Beastie sabotage. Boys? Have you seen that, Christian?
0: No, I haven't. Yeah. Not. No. Which so our, our friend
1: Will uh, mentioned that, you know, people were angry that that, that song, Sabotage by the Beastie Boys, was included <laughs> in the trailer for Star Trek Beyond. And I'm like, I, I wasn't complaining about that. Yeah. That's actually in two of the three J.J. Abrams Star Trek movies. Yeah. And I'm like, well, how did they not put it in the second one?
2: Why would I complain yeah. about an awesome song <laughs> yeah. that it's just That's like right. awesome in general.
1: Yeah. Awesome in general is, of course, our special guest, uh, Christian Toto. And uh, I'm glad we do this on Oscars night. We'll have to we'll have to find an excuse to do it on another night. Having to wait every year. It seems too long. Uh, but, uh, again, HollywoodandToto.com, at HollywoodandToto. Uh, Christian, we really appreciate it. And uh, we always appreciate you making time for the Blackcast. And we'll talk to you again soon. Anytime. Thanks, guys. And for me, Christian Blatt, you can find me at ChristianDMZ. And, of course, the Blackcast is at B-L-A-D-T-C-A-S-T on Twitter, The Blackcast on Facebook,
2: blackcast.com. That's on the internet. And Jeff, where do people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Jeff DeRay where I range between like borderline suicidal depressing tweets and silly inane tweets. I like the silly inane <laughs> tweets and <laughs> I've heard a rumor uh,
1: that I think will be uh, unveiled at some point that there's a magic number that if you hit that number of followers, you'll tweet every day. Every single yeah. day. So uh, stay tuned to the Blackcast Cast, And you that. can even
2: tell me to make them happy. <laughs> That's <laughs> true.
1: Thank you so much to Christian Toto. And thanks to everybody. Thanks to Shareable Texas for joining us in the chat. Trox from Alaska, who's excited to see Death Wish. And we appreciate everybody in Blackcast Nation who was here tonight or listening after the fact. And we will see you next time on the Blackcast.